Okay, welcome back to Short Talks. Today, I'm again joined by two other mentors from Project Short, and we're here to talk about things you can do as an undergrad to prepare for PhD applications. Yeah, so my name is Esther Park. I am currently a fourth year PhD candidate at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. I'm in the PhD program of molecular biophysics, um, but we're an interdepartmental PhD program. So I'm in the, currently my lab is in the Department of Molecular Biology and Genetics, um, where I study kind of mRNA quality control and ribosomes and translations. Um, my lab focuses on all mammalian cells, including um, human cell lines and yeast, but also bacteria. And I work on specifically bacteria. Yeah, my name is Stephen. I'm also a fourth year PhD candidate in organizational psychology at George Mason University uh, in Virginia. So, uh, in organizational study, we in organizational psychology we study how people think and behave at work. Uh, my primary areas of research include leadership development, uh, teamwork and team behavior, psychometrics and statistics, and data science. Um, and then kind of like this idea of an academic practitioner gap in higher ed policy is also where I'm getting into. I also work part-time in the office of the provost here at George Mason. Awesome. That's perfect. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's so nice to have you both on today. Um, I've been wanting to make this episode, and I think it's slightly different than the ones we've previously done, which were more geared towards current applicants and what's been going on in this application cycle. But I thought it was kind of important to like, take a step back and think about the things that you can do as an undergrad to prepare for PhD applications, because there are lots of things that you can and these days almost have to do like pretty early on as an undergrad if you want to be competitive for PhD applications. Um, so I guess one thing I was wondering is kind of like, when did you know that you wanted to do a PhD or what influenced you to go down that road? Uh, yeah, so I'll I'll go first. I knew a little earlier than than maybe natural. Um, I knew in 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 early high school that I wanted to do a PhD, which is quite quite early. I don't think that's normal at all. Um, nor did I think that was like a hundred percent. But I just knew I wanted to do science and research. I didn't want to do medicine. I did not like touching people or seeing sick <laughs> people. Um, but I really like the scientific aspect of therapeutics nature of, the, of science and so I knew early on and I was really I think really excited from like science fair experiments and stuff like that that really excited me for that and and hence why I chose my undergraduate major which was in in biochemistry um, and although I was around a lot of friends that were pre-med I, I geared my coursework for electives a little more to get ready for kind of graduate school as well as doing research which most um kind of biomedical sciences PhD students do during their undergraduate. I'm glad you're here, Esther, because I have a kind of opposite experience in the sense of I did not know I wanted to do a PhD until much, much later. Um, mm -hmm. I was doing my bachelor's, intended to go into traditional HR work, human resources work, because I did major in organizational psychology, so same topic area, um, stayed around to do a master's in religion and philosophy, actually, and it was a completely side path where I had no intentions of doing it, but my institution wanted me to stay and work in student affairs, and there was like a particular grad assistant position where you had to be a grad student to do it, you know, institutional stuff, um, but all that to be said, 
uh, I got pulled into it and then started doing a little bit of research and teaching and actually really enjoyed it. So it wasn't until later that, uh, that I decided, oh, I actually enjoy the teaching and research and wanted to do a PhD. I probably considered it here and there beforehand because I did have a few research experiences in undergrad, but it was never a clear that's what I want to do. And I also went to a very to a small liberal arts school, which is a part of why I love Project Sort so much because it helped me as someone who did not have many research experiences undergrad, who did not have the CV that you would normally expect from someone going to a large state school in undergrad, um, and managed to finally find my way into a PhD program. So um, definitely a different experience there. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm glad, yeah, to have you both on to have like kind of two very different perspectives towards the PhD. I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of both of you guys where it was sometime in undergrad that I really decided that a PhD was of interest to me. I can definitely say what I, what led me to not be interested in research, which was taking lab classes as an undergraduate. If you ever had to take chemistry labs or biology labs, just having to work in that, those environments, it was very stressful for me. It wasn't a lot of fun. And those types of classes really made me think like, oh, is this like, is research really what I want to do? Is this like what I'm interested in? But then when I actually joined a lab, it was totally different. And so maybe that's another consideration is like, if you're currently taking these types of classes and they're not really your thing, um, maybe don't get too discouraged and it could still, you know, work out basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess you guys touched on it a little bit, but once you kind of know that that's broadly the path that you were on, what types of things did you do to really prepare yourself to apply for a PhD? Yeah, so um, the first thing I did in college, well, not the first thing, but during after my first year of college, I started emailing professors um, on to join their labs potentially um, based on kind of their lab websites and the courses they taught some I were I was interested in taking their courses anyway so I thought maybe I'll be interested in their research um, I met with some of them in their office to discuss potentially joining um, and then I ended up joining my undergraduate PI's lab um, in, in the department of chemistry um, he was in both biology and chemistry departments um, where um, we spent like the first semester just me like joining lab meetings and getting to know like how to pipette essentially and learning you know basic lab skills and then I made it very clear to him that I wanted to go into a PhD. Um, he himself obviously had a PhD and so I made it very clear that that's what I wanted which made him kind of shift how he mentors me um, from other undergraduates because then it was very clear that I should have an independent project somewhat independent um, kind of that I could control, that I, I collect all the data for. He gave me opportunities to present my data in lab meetings. He made me participate in journal clubs, which is a skill you should kind of be ready to do, which is digest a lot of reading and present your what you understood. Um, and so he approached it kind of like as if I was the, the years I spent in undergrad in his lab as like my first year of graduate school per se. Um, and so um, which I was really thankful for because it really got me to understand what kind of skills you're going to be needing in a PhD and are you okay with doing that for years on end. Um, if I was miserable, I think doing it as an undergraduate, I don't think I would have gone down the path as a PhD student. Um, but also um, I teched for a year after undergrad um, because I 
didn't want to go straight from undergraduate to a PhD, um, as well as I wanted kind of full-time research experience. So I teched at Emory University for a year. Um, and that was what really, really convinced me to go into a PhD, just because I loved being full-time in lab. Um, and I think that helped again, making sure I um, made it very clear I was going to do a PhD to my new PI who gave me an independent project, which didn't wasn't going very well. So he moved me very quickly to a new project um, because he knew I wanted to go to a PhD. So um, helped me get on some publications and, and not that that's necessary to get into a PhD program, but I think it gives you a little more um, experience. He made me attend a lot of seminars so I can figure out what field exactly I want to go into. Um, as well as getting to know a lot of graduate students, which helped a lot. I would definitely echo that in the sense of that's what I hear other people who knew a little bit earlier that they wanted to do a PhD. That's what I hear them doing. So if, if any listeners are in undergrad right now, especially for a second or third year, listen to what Esther had to say. <laughs> um, I'll share my perspective, which is, like I said, not until after undergrad did I think about doing a PhD, in, at least not seriously. Um, but... In, in a sense, like research is the most important thing at the end of the day to get into a PhD program. Now, granted, I was at a disadvantage. I did not have any publications or conference presentations applying for PhD programs. And that's something that probably not the publications, maybe one, but like for sure, like one or two conference presentations coming out of undergrad would be really helpful for PhD programs. Um, so I didn't have any of that. And so maybe this is a conversation for slightly later, but I had to find some creative ways to, to engage in research outside of the normal sphere of, oh, I have an undergrad lab I'm part of or something like that. And again, the small liberal arts school, we didn't have research labs for the most part, um, especially in the social sciences. I think our I think our STEM programs had a our biology me medical programs had a little bit more lab work, but not in social sciences, really. Um, so there weren't really research opportunities to get involved in, at least not obviously at an undergrad level in my institution. Um, so I definitely had to be creative about how I engaged in research to be able to pitch myself as someone who, uh, who at least had tried it and know that I want to do research. Um, the piece I'd also add, and this might get too much into the application phase, so we don't have to go into this in detail, but uh, at least it, my field and my experience, um, the biggest thing is your network. And as you kind of mentioned this, which is get to know other people in your in the field that you want to go into. So getting to know other PhD students, especially institutions where you're applying, trying to find, get to know their faculty, going to those conferences. It, it, it's almost like applying for a job in terms of networking for PhD programs, because ultimately, at least in many programs, it's the faculty that decides I'm going to accept the student, right? So in that sense, it's just like if you're applying for a job, you want to find a supervisor who you can network with, who you can get a good recommendation, who will just ultimately accept you. Because at the end of the day, there's probably a half dozen people equally as qualified as you. And so that networking piece is probably the most important to getting in. Um, and before I stop, I just want to affirm something Esther said, which is just working a little bit before you start a PhD. Because I did the same thing. I was by the time I finished my master's, I was intending to do a PhD program, but I had an advisor suggest, you know, just go work full time for a couple of years. And so I actually worked full time in HR for a couple of years, back to my original plan, and that affirmed for me that I wanted to do a PhD. And long story short, I think it's the best idea ever. I tell people work a little bit before you go do a PhD. Of course, that's not true for everybody, but most people I meet, I can I say that. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I worked full-time in a lab for two years between undergrad and grad school. And I think that's also really helpful if you aren't first to make your application a lot more competitive because now you have years more of research and maybe more likely to have a poster or a publication or something. But also just like, uh, I think being in grad school is a lot more similar to being in full-time research than it was when I was back as an undergrad who was just also doing research. Um, I think the experience, you'll get a lot more about what, what the experience was actually like. And if you're looking for research experience as an undergraduate, I definitely think the mentor is the most important factor. So like Esther, it sounded like you had a super supportive mentor and environment to prepare you for uh, applying to PhDs, which is super great. And I think, you know, when, when you're first looking for labs, it can be tempting to just try to find the lab that's in the area, the most specific area that's of the highest interest to you, which would be great. But, um, you know, it's, I wouldn't be too picky about the research topic as an undergrad. Like I was working in fungal biology and now I'm in neuroscience. So completely different, but I was so, I was set up so well because I had presented posters and I had done like an independent research project. And those are really the skills that you want to be developing as an undergrad rather than necessarily like the exact field of study that you want to do for the rest of your career. Um, and yeah, like Esther said, I think just reaching out to PIs, cold emailing is a little bit intimidating as an undergrad for sure, but pretty effective as a strategy, I would say. Um, it'll definitely be yeah. hit or miss, but <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely say I got like a good chunk, no response. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the most common. <laughs> yeah. I would say reach like, out to the graduate students. Graduate students that, are much more likely to respond than the yeah. faculty and PI. I totally agree with that. I wish I knew that because that I totally, I say that now. I mean, I think that's true of when you're doing rotations. Once you get into a PhD program, I always recommend meeting with graduate students first and then maybe reach out to the PI or they can reach out to the PI. Um, I also wanted to add that, like, I totally agree with you on not focusing on a field that early. Um, I did not. I had. I knew I wanted to do a PhD early, but I had no idea what I wanted to do it in. I knew it was like generally life sciences, but that could be chemistry. That's you know could be what I'm doing now, biophysics. There's pure biology, developmental biology. There's neuroscience. There's bioinformatics. I mean, it was just so many to choose from, and so I didn't know enough about each one to know what I wanted. Um, and so I kind of chose it like you said based on my mentor um, my undergraduate PI was was a junior faculty had just gotten hired um, like two years before I joined his lab which meant um, he was really nurturing he, he was really involved in his lab um, because it was a smaller lab and just getting started um, and I did research in, in really more physical structural biology and doing uh, NMR which is nothing related to what I do now at all and so I think, um, like you said, it's good to like, you you just don't know and, and fields evolve and your interests change. And so it's just to figure out, it definitely gave me a sense of whether or not I'm more numerical or not. And that was good to know. Um, but that was about as broad I was trying to take away from, from focusing on a research field. Yeah, I totally agree. I also think we've talked about, you know, the kind of research products like publications posters i definitely think like a public like being a published author isn't 
necessary for a, a grad school application. Of course, it's nice to have and anything that you have will make you more competitive. But if you could even and sometimes even presenting posters or going to conferences can be a bit difficult um, since projects can take several years. And so kind of sometimes it's the luck of the draw in terms of when you join the lab, what state the projects at if you're paired with mm -hmm. a grad student or not. Um, but I think if you can look around even for just like small local things or even stuff within your university where you can just put on your CV like I presented this at you know here to these people it would be really great mm -hmm. like at UCLA they had an annual undergraduate poster day so I presented there a couple of times and just being able to show not even necessarily that like everything that you were doing worked super well and you got all these great results, but just that you have experience with communicating your science to other people is really the skill that grad programs are kind of looking for. Yeah, and I would add to that. It's also just, uh, I think the grad program and faculties are looking for people who get what research is like. And I say that in the sense of research sometimes sucks. <laughs> like it is depressing. <laughs> it takes a long time. You're redoing things over and over and everything moves slowly. But then sometimes it's a rush because you have a deadline next week. It's it, it, There's something unique about doing research. And it's not always like, oh, new discovery. And I think a lot of people feel that way because, oh, research, new discovery, right? So in some ways, I, I hear a lot of faculty saying, it's not that we want people to show they've been successful at research because we don't expect it. Like they're undergrads or just at undergrad, you're not supposed to be successful at research. It's that we want people who get what research is like so that we can then train them to be successful at research. And so, yeah, Sarah, you're entirely right. Like, however you show that, Sure, a publication or presentation definitely shows that, but there are many other ways to show that you get what research is like, which is, I know, vague. <laughs> yeah, I also think one thing that could be helpful to that is keeping in mind, and maybe some people don't really have this sense, which is like, when it comes to research experiences, I would choose quality over quantity. And quality, again, doesn't mean that you have like tons of publications or anything, but it means like, the length of time. So sometimes you'll see applicants who have a bunch of research experiences listed, but it was like a summer here, a couple months there, and it was a little bit scattered. I think if you can really find a lab that you can stay in for a year or more, um, that'll be really beneficial to you in a couple of ways. First, you know, that professor will be able to write a much better letter for you because they know you so well. And secondly, if the longer you stay on a project, naturally, the longer you'll be more familiar with the work that you're doing, and also the more likely that you'll get some good results that you'll be able to share. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, but really, I think there's sometimes uh, the desire to get to kind of rack up research experiences because of this requirement that applications, you need three letters of rec, which I don't know for you guys, but for me as an undergrad, finding three professors or people who could like write me strong letters was pretty difficult. Um, did you guys have better luck than I did or was that also a struggle? Yeah, um, I knew I was gonna ask my undergrad PI. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure if I was gonna take a year off or not during undergrad, um, I was still deciding. Um, I, I fortunately had the, had the opportunity to graduate early so I had to hurry and make a decision in my like sophomore year of college if I was gonna take a gap or go straight to grad school and start getting ready to apply. And so I knew I would ask my undergrad PI. Um, 
and like you said I didn't know who else that I would be asking <laughs> no, I was in the exact same uh, spot it was like okay my PI and now two more can you write all three yeah no? <laughs> yeah I went to a big like university and so a lot of my science classes were these massive 200 people lectures and so my professors didn't really know me and so I took one lab course that was only 10 of us so I, th I thought I would ask him um, for a letter because it was a lab course so he knew a little bit about that I could you know touch a pipette um, and then I wasn't really sure so actually that's when I decided my sophomore year that I would spend the summer in a different lab um, um, which is the lab I ended up teching in. Um, I went back and forth with it because my um, undergrad PI asked if I could stay for the summer and do do research in the lab that I was already in. Um, and so I had to decide if I was going to, you know, stay in the same lab, same lab for the summer or just take that summer, go a different lab, and then come back in the fall um, for to do continue my current research. And I talked to a couple other people to see what their thoughts were. Um, and I ended up doing the summer research at Emory and beca because I wanted the potential to have a, a, a different letter if I was going to apply right away. Um, I ended up taking a gap, which is fine, but that's actually how it set me up to be a tech in his lab because I had done a summer there. And so when they had a tech position open, um, they offered me the position. Um, but it was definitely just a fortunate privilege that I could do the summer there because I was unpaid. Um, and so... And um, I, I'm from Atlanta, so I could commute from my parents' house. And so I didn't have to worry about cost um, or anything. And then I only worked part-time in that lab for the summer and the other part-time I worked a summer job. And so things aligned for me to have that opportunity, but I'm, I'm not sure if I could find just a random lab in the summer to take me and pay me. Um, and so I think if that didn't work out, I probably would have just stayed in my current lab in the summer because my PI did offer to pay me for the summer. Um, and so I, in the end, I was glad I did it because it gave me another letter writer, um, which like you said before that, I was like, I don't know who I would ask my Orco professor who doesn't even know me. <laughs> Maybe I can, I'm sure they could write a generic one, <laughs> but um, probably not the strongest one. I wish I attended office hours more, to be honest, to get to know the professor a little better. Um, because that's the only way in a 200 person lecture to get to know the professor but I didn't think about it then when I was taking the class so I, I would say that if you are going to apply straight out of undergrad and you don't have a second PI start attending office hours or set up meetings to talk talk with a professor to get to know them like a mentor relationship rather than a PI even um, that way they can say something about your interest in science or your thoughts on science if it's not directly research experience at least yeah i'll jump in to say this is where i think going to a small liberal arts school had an advantage um so the disadvantage being lack of access to research and labs and things like that but the advantage being the largest class we ever had was 50 people and that was like literally three classes in the entire degree every other class was 20 people or less usually 10 people or less and so i knew all of my faculty very very well like we would have classes at the faculty's homes very often and so there was just a lot of great connections with faculty so in that sense i didn't have any trouble with letters writers because even taking a single class with a single professor you get to know them really well and as soon as you're taking and because it was a small school uh, there's only like four or five faculty in the entire major so 
you major in psychology, you're going to get to know at least three of those faculty really well. Um, so that was a huge advantage. And that's what I would say to anybody who's in a smaller school that they don't have access to research, but want to build in, um, build towards a PhD is that take advantage of the fact that you have easy access to faculty, you have a close, you can build really close relationships with them, they'll end up being very, very strong letter writers. And also, I would say, you probably have less competition in that sense, compared to a large school, right? Um, if you if you're a sophomore right now and you express, I want to get involved in research at a small school where there isn't much research going on, you're probably only one of a handful of students in that boat. And most likely, you know, that's a rule of thumb, but it just makes it so that there might be other creative ways to get involved in research that's not less formal than a lab, but might also be an advantage, right? Because perhaps you're a, you'll find a faculty member who doesn't have a lab, but hey, they have this entire research project that you they can hand over to you. And because there isn't that huge publication requirement, they could care less about authorship and so, suddenly you end up as first author on something. Now, that didn't happen to me, but I know people who have gone through that because they took advantage of the lack of opportunity to create their own opportunity. So that's something I would just say for those who might be in smaller schools that there are advantages to it if you look for them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So definitely think research and research experiences as an undergrad is probably the most important factor if you're wanting to prepare for a PhD. Um, were there any other activities that you guys did that kind of helped kind of CV building? I know at UCLA, we had like a neuroscience undergraduate society. So that was pretty helpful in terms of networking and meeting other students. And you could like run a journal club and that gave me like leadership experience and stuff like that. I know it can be tough as an undergrad though, cause like you're doing classes full time. And then on top of that, you have research and then squeezing in anything else is kind of difficult, right? Yeah, I would definitely echo that. I was pretty like overwhelmed in undergrad. <laughs> One of the reasons I, I took a tech year was to take, take a breath before diving into school again, cause juggling classes and research and, and your friends and a social life was just really, a lot and so the, um I, they did have like a you know biology honor society and stuff like that um at, at my university um but also um our honors program had a lot of kind of small clubs and interest groups and outreach so i i i, in, I was involved in outreach to the degree that i could i wasn't in any leadership position just because i didn't want to feel too overwhelmed um but i did participate in many outreach events and then when i was a tech also any time since I was a tech at a at a university, which also did outreach events like STEM days or for children or science for you know teaching little children, um, I volunteered for all of those. Um, although I wasn't an active leadership member, um, and so I think those kind of helped boost my CV when it came to that. That I was clearly interested in 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 sharing scientific knowledge not just obtaining it and I think that was kind of a thread in my application was which is why I would you know was interested in some PhD programs or some schools that had those as well um, and so I wasn't an active leader I would say in anything but I was a continual participant throughout since beginning of college all the way to even through as a tech. And again, I had almost the exact opposite experience as someone who I wasn't involved in research as an undergrad, basically. So all of my time was spent on leadership activities. And again, small school, lots of opportunities for leadership because it was lots of small clubs run by students. Um, so I was very involved in campus activities, running clubs and 
department, like I was president of like the council that oversaw all of our clubs and stuff like that. So I just did a lot of different leadership activities on campus. That ended up helping me, but that might be more specific to the social sciences in my program, just because I, here I am applying to study leadership and I could say I've done it. So I think that might be a little more specific to my program. Um, but what I will say that a more generic piece of helpfulness, I still say prioritize involvement in research labs if you're undergrad listening to this. But where getting involved in campus activities, if you have time, is sometimes helpful because I, I think there's some skills you learn in leadership that's actually important regardless of what field of study. Because once you switch to a PhD program, and this may be different in other fields, it almost flips it. So like as an undergrad, as an undergrad, you're told what to do for the most part. Here's your curriculum. Here's your coursework. Here's the research I want you to do. As soon as you get in a PhD program, at least my understanding is it flips. All of a sudden, yeah, there's some, like, here's some curriculum to do, but not really the biggest emphasis. The biggest emphasis is what are you going to research? What program, what research programs are you going to propose? What grants are you going to apply to? So all of a sudden you're in charge with the support of your advisor and PI, of course. But that flip of responsibility, I've seen a lot of people stumble over that because they get into a PhD program straight from undergrad where they're used to people telling them what to do. And then all of a sudden there's very little direction given to them which itself might be a problem with how we run PhD programs, but the reality in many ways is there's not much direction given to you. And now all of a sudden you have to be in charge of your own time. You have to figure out what you're going to spend your time on. How are you going to make yourself succeed? And a lot of students coming out of undergrad aren't used to that. If you have work experience, if you have leadership experience, I think it helps with that a little bit, but I'll still resolve by saying, get some research experience, go work in a lab. That's probably your best bet. Yeah, I would agree. And I feel like, you know, we're saying all of these great things that you could do joining a lab, getting outside lab experience, but, um, you know, it's also good to think about the timing for all these things. I mean, on the one hand, the more experience you have with all these things, the better. But on the other hand, you know, I, I feel like there's also this... Uh, trend where like freshmen or stuff will try to join like all these different things all these clubs start looking for labs as soon as possible and it's a little it can definitely get overwhelming very quickly so I would say like maybe towards end of freshman year even like maybe sophomore year waiting until you kind of are settled into college and you have a better handle on your class workload and stuff like that um, even though we're saying the you know early early is the best there's definitely you still have time uh, early on in, in your undergrad and to, to keep that in mind and not not overwhelm yourself because once you're too stressed out and overwhelmed and maybe spreading yourself too thin well then it's really hard to be productive on any one of those mm -hmm. individual things basically um yeah so I feel like those were the main topics that I wanted to hit did you guys have any additional like pieces of advice for our listeners I think it's really important. I think you brought up the last thing that's really great. It's to, really important to vocalize and advocate for yourself and what you need for that semester. So my PI, when I was an undergrad, we started meeting kind of in the beginning of the academic year talking about, I because he doesn't know my course schedule, right? <laughs> so then I expressed kind of what are my days that I could really devote more to research and I would express the fall semester I'm really heavy on credits and my schedule's a little crazy so maybe I'll just do this many hours in lab for the fall 
Um, the spring, I have a little lighter load and the courses are a little more spread out. So I think I could do these, this a little better. And that helped him also dictate what types of experience I should do in which semester, kind of parts of my project that are broken up into pieces um, that would fit better to my course. Because in the end, your grades matter too. Um, you could have all the research experience in the world, but if you have an awful GPA, <laughs> it doesn't help you too much because they're worried about you not being able to manage, right? And and as well as succeed in their coursework. And so I think it's, I didn't do it my first year when I joined the lab and I was really struggling to balance it all. And so I learned along the way that, you, you know, it was unfair for me to expect that my PI knew my schedule and that he was being unfair or asking this of me this week, but he doesn't know I have an exam that week. And so I had to learn to vocalize and be comfortable vocalizing, no, this is kind of a bad week for me. I really need to study for this exam. Can I do that experiment next week? And I'll get you that data by the end of next week. Um, and so I had to learn that a little the hard way by struggling. And so I think if I had more early on set a healthier communication and advocating for myself to have a healthier schedule balance, I think that helps with getting more done. Yeah, and also by echoing something Sierra said, which is don't rush. Now I say that to myself because I'm someone who's like, I will rush to do something if I, uh, if I think I want to do it, I'm just going to go for it, right? Um, and certainly if you're an undergrad and you're a freshman and you know you want to do a PhD, yeah, go for it and take Esther's advice, be very clear on your own boundaries and set your own time management and so forth. Um, but if you don't know, that's okay. And, you know, I actually know many faculty who, uh, who actually prefer to accept students who are a little bit older. They prefer to accept students who have, you know, five or six years of work experience, have done different things, uh, because there's a, there's a certain level of maturity that comes with that that's actually quite helpful for success in a PhD program and beyond. Again, that's not to say that's the only way to get into a program or that's what you should do, because again, you are the own, you'll be the own judge of what path is right for you. But I just want to encourage those who aren't sure, who are junior year, senior year, still not sure if they want to do a PhD program, that's okay. There's definitely a path for you. It just may not be the normal one that everyone does, but you know, who likes to be normal? It's always good to be a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think that's all really great advice. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. It was great talking to you. It's great talking to you. Thanks so much. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Short Talks. If you'd like to learn more about applying to grad school, you can find additional resources on the Project Short website. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope to see you again shortly.